Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Ramba Mishneh Torah, Hilchis Matnas Aniyim, the laws of the gifts to the poor. Today we begin chapter 7. Now, although up to now we have studied about the agricultural obligations of gifts to the poor, now we segue into general charity. Mitzvahs say it is a positive commandment in the Torah, litain tzedakah, that one must give charity. And interestingly enough, the word tzedakah comes from the word tzedek. It's not above and beyond the call of duty, but it's the right thing to do. Lo'aniyim to the poor. Now, how much? It depends what is appropriate for this particular poor person. Now, what about the donor? If the donor's hand can afford. So you have to have, number one, the need of the recipient. Number two, the ability of the donor. As it says, you shall surely open up your hand to him. And as it says, you shall strengthen him, gear the stranger, and the settler. Or he shall live with you. And it says, your brother shall live with you. So these are various biblical Sources which talk about the mitzvah in general of tzedakah. Bays to the chol oni bevakish. If somebody sees a poor person seeking money, vehelim einab mimenu, and he makes like he doesn't see him, and machtzach nish misendik, as we say in Yiddish, v'leinos and leitz tzedakah does not give him charity. Of our this person transgresses belaysasa a negative commandment. I made a bracha earlier. I'm just going to sip some tea here. Shanamar, as the verse says, leisa amit Do not harden your heart. Vileisikpets yod esyodcha. Do not close your hand. Meachicha. From the poor man, your brother, the poor person. So don't harden your heart and don't close your hand. I've shared many times in the past, my father of blessed memory used to say that there are certain people who have challenges. They can't give charity. They have deep pockets and short hands. And their hand, their short hands can't reach into their deep pockets. So that's the idea of the closure, closing of the hand. How much are you supposed to give the poor man? It depends upon what he's lacking. If he lacks garments, if he has no clothing, you cover him. If he has no household utensils, what we would call today basic furniture, you buy it for him. If he's not married, say, then you do what you can to see to it that he gets married. 
And if the poor person was a woman, then you married her off to a man who's appropriate for her. Different people are accustomed to different things. And when a person suddenly loses that which they were accustomed to, then they are sort of shell-shocked. And here comes this interesting halacha. Even if it was the custom of this now poverty-stricken man. To ride on a horse, he never walked. He was always riding on a fancy horse, a stallion. The of he always had a servant running before him, saying, Here comes the great so and so. or and he lost his money. and he fell from his station. Then it is perhaps appropriate to purchase him a horse. He could, that he can ride upon the Ebed Lotus and a servant to run before him, because this is the only thing that will keep him going. There's a lot of discussion as to what this means. Do, do, does the community have to go and put somebody in, uh, in the Millionaires Club? But sometimes a person, if he falls, he falls hard, and you allow him to stay on his station, he can regain his strength. Shanemar, De Machsele Asher Whatever is lacking, that which he no longer has. So you have to give him that which he lacks. But the poor man could say, hey, you have a mitzvah, make me wealthy. It's not so simple. And again, this is an interesting commandment which is talked about a lot as to how could halacha say we have to keep the guy in his very wealthy habits. And it's an interesting point for discussion, but that's what the halacha says. Dalit for Yosem, what if there's an orphan? And even today, but especially back then, orphans and widows were totally left unprotected. The orphan doesn't have a father, the widow doesn't have a husband. To protect them in a, uh, in a man's world, the world changed a lot as it relates to women, but didn't change that much as it relates to widows as it relates to orphans, rather. So here in 4, he says, Yosem, an orphan, God forbid. When it comes time to marry him off, and it was important for the community to see to it that an orphan comes to marriageable age, he has no father to concern himself for it. The community does it. However, who's going to want to marry this orphan if he lives in the bus station? You have to rent him a house. And buy him linen, bedspreads, the kolkli, tashmisha, and all the household stuff. And then, and only then, is it appropriate to try and find him an appropriate mate. Otherwise, you're going to sell him short. But if you package him right, then it's a whole different story. Hey, what if a poor man comes to a person who's not a poor man and he says, listen, I need, and he gives him a whole list, which people do all the time. But the donor doesn't have that ability. Especially as we will learn if there are a lot of poor people. Nice and he gives them 
kefi hasogas yodei, then the donor gives according to what he can afford to give, which means that he doesn't have to give that which he cannot afford to give. The kamo, what is the maximum that a person should give? Ad chamishis nechosav, up to 20% of his possessions. Mitzvah minamuvchar, the 20% number is the best way of performing the mitzvah of charity. The average way of performing the mitzvah of charity is 10%, which means that when somebody wants to properly perform the mitzvah of charity, one should give between 10 and 20% of one's income to charity. When somebody gives less than 10%, is considered a person with an evil eye. He doesn't have a generous eye. Better yet, 20%. And this is the practical halacha. We actually learned this from the Yosef story, where he talks about chamishis, the Pharaoh, that a fifth belongs to Pharaoh and four-fifth belongs to the individual person. Pharaoh is the king. Hashem is considered the king of kings. So when a person wants success, economic success, if he gives 20% to Hashem, then he has an abundant 80%. Nevertheless, if he wants to, he can give 10%. No matter how bad the situation is, a person should never give less than a third of a shekel charity per year. He says here in the notes that slightly less than 7 grams of silver per year. Anybody who gives less than that, like Kia Mitzvah, has not fulfilled the Mitzvah. Even a poor man who is supported by charity, has to give charity to others. Everyone has to give charity. Which is why, for those of us who are blessed with children and grandchildren, it's a tremendous Mitzvah to train our children, to train our grandchildren. They have to give tzedakah, put charity into a pushka, give charity to poor people all the time. And it's an important training session. The Rebbe once expressed himself, or many times expressed himself, when he talked about the importance of having a pushka in the house, in the kitchen, where everybody sees it, where the woman's headquarters is, have a pushka in the office, he said, even though people give charity nowadays, he said, by checks. The Rebbe lived in the olden days when they still had checks. <laughs> even though nowadays people give charity by checks, but the, sh- the child is not going to know that you wrote a check to charity. The child has to see active charity. Because otherwise, God forbid, children will grow, will grow up, they'll never know what charity is. There are many philanthropists who have a custom when people come into their home, they have their children and their grandchildren welcome the person. Would you like a cup of tea? Can I get you something? This is to train a new generation of charity donors. Otherwise, kids will grow up and say, what charity? Leave me alone. I'm busy. Now, Vov. And I could tell you that what we're about to learn I had the great privilege of learning from my father of blessed memory. Hands-on. You have a, 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 many times a situation where a poor person will come over and say, I need money. 
In, in our shul, it happens almost every day. You don't know the guy. You never met the guy in your life. For all you know, he has Bill Gates' money. You don't know. So what should you do? Should you hire an investigator to check him out? So he says, Oni she'en makirin say a poor man whom we don't know. The Yomar, and he says, Rob, Oni, I'm hungry. Ha'chiluni, feed me. You don't do an investigation to see maybe he's a thief. Maybe he really has money and he likes your food. Because God forbid the guy could die. Guy says, he's, I'm hungry, eat. You feed him immediately. What if he was not clothed properly? The Yomarani says, Kasuni, clothe me. That's a different ball game. And he says, by the way, I only do Bloomingdale's. I don't want to shop in Sears or Mervyn's all of us. You have to investigate. Maybe he's a con man. There are a lot of con men out there. So before you spend a lot of money on the guy, make sure you know who he is. And therefore, practically speaking, when somebody comes in and says, I need charity, you have, my father said, give him charity. How much? A little bit. Don't give a guy a lot of money when you just met him. You've got to check him out first. But you never say no to anybody. question is how much. This is the Rambam's halacha here. And we have to teach our children this. But if you knew the guy... Checked him out, and you know him, and you know that he's real. Then you clothe him according to his station in life. And you don't have to do a new investigation all the time. So this is an important halacha to know. I remember when I was a kid, and people would come into my father's synagogue or to my parents' house. And uh, in the synagogue, I saw this often, and they would collect. So the... People there at that time, we're talking about the 1950s, you walk over angry and nervous and say, what are you on? Get a job! That's not a good way to greet people. Get a job! But even if you're tempted to tell the guy, why aren't you working? You look healthy. The guy's asking, you give him. But before you give him a lot, check him out. That's what the Rambam is saying. Now, what about the fact that we know that Jewish charities have to be a priority to Jewish people. Because if Jewish charities will not be a priority to Jewish people, to whom will they be a priority? Nevertheless, mefarnesin we sustain, or mechasim and we clothe, aniyei the poor of either the Gentiles or even the idol worshippers, along with the poor of Israel. Just because a poor man is not of the Jewish faith, you don't say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. That's wrong. Someone who is not of the Jewish faith also should get money. We live in these type of communities where there are mixed populations. We have to keep the peace. We have to be nice to everybody. So, to turn down someone because he's not of the Jewish faith. That's not correct. And that's a very important law today. What if a poor man goes door to door? 
You don't have to give him a large gift. Why don't you have to give him a large gift? Just because he's going door to door? The answer is because he's going door to door. Everyone will give him a little bit. But you can't say, hey, you're going to door to door, someone else will give you. Everyone should give something. And again, this is the training that I have, and this is the training that I like to give. Somebody asks you, you give them something. It is forbidden to turn down a poor man who asks you, say, I'm really sorry, I can't help you. <coughs> Furthermore, even giving somebody one fig, for example, is okay. Don't turn away the dejected in shame. He asks, you give him something. Ches. Ain't pechas in la'oni a'ebrim imakam la'makam. What if you have a traveling poor man? He goes from place to place. You should not give him less than chikar echad, one loaf of bread, hanimka bepunyan, which is sold for the coin punyan. We learned that there are 50 punyans in a cella, or 48 punyans in a cella. Kishayoachitim arbasin besela. When wheat sold for four saw per cella. And the Ramam says, I don't want to get into these numbers again. We explained all the measurements. We explained all the numbers. Look it up. You've got to give the guy a loaf of bread. <coughs> That's if he's traveling. But if he's sleeping overnight in your community, then he needs to have a bedding to sleep on. A pillow to put under his head. Veshemen, a little oil, the kidneys, some beans, a little tofu. Sushi. Vim Shabbos, if he's staying for Shabbos. Neistin, we have to give him mozin, sholish, sudas, three meals. Veshemen and the oil, the kidneys and the beans, the dog and some fish, the yarak and some vegetables. Say that's if you didn't know him. But if you knew him, you have to give him according to his honor. And again, when I was a kid growing up in the city of Newark, the city of Newark, the Jewish community, had what was called a hachnosas orchem, a house where guests were invited to stay, uh, visiting rabbis and guests, and traveling poor would stay in this house, and it was sustained by the community, and they would go from synagogue to synagogue, and from house to house, and, and, and so on and so forth. Again, as everybody here knows, today we get visited every day by sometimes lines of people and we give everybody something. Tess, what if you have sometimes a poor man who's too proud to take charity? Oni, a poor man, he doesn't want to take charity. Leave me alone. He's, he has too much dignity, but he's hungry. Marim and all of you kind of trick him you say, it's not charity, it's a gift. He says, I don't want gifts. You say, it's a loan. You'll pay it back when you can. I was privy to the Rebbe giving somebody who was in great need a, a substantial amount of money. 
which this fellow would have not taken had the Rebbe said he's giving it to him. So he told him, You'll pay it back when you'll, when you'll be able to. It's okay, it's a long-term loan. That's what the Rambam is talking about. What about a wealthy man? He's got a lot of money, but he's starving. Why? Because he can't spend the money. But his eyes are too miserly with his own money. He can't spend the money. As I love to say, misers make great ancestors. The miser is concerned. He doesn't consume his money. He shouldn't consume it drinking, eating. This guy, we don't have to worry. He's got millions of dollars in the bank, but he's too cheap, too miserly to spend money on himself. The community does not have to support him. Maybe get him a therapist. Yud, mi Like the old joke they tell that there was this schnorrer. Uh, a schnorrer is a Yiddish word for this poor professional poor man traveling. Schnorrer knocks on the door and he says, please, I haven't eaten for three days. So this very wealthy woman pokes her head out of her palatial home and she says, force yourself. Somebody who does not want to give tzedakah. Or he wants to give a little bit. He doesn't want to give what he should. And here the Rambam is talking about a time when there were strong communities, when the community had power. The Jewish community was an organized, powerful community. Bezdin, the courts, can coerce him. What do you mean you don't want to give? You're a wealthy guy, you have to give. They take him and they give him rabbinic, administered lashes. We talked about this so many times, that the court had the power to decree lashes upon someone who's being rebellious. Here's a guy who's got... All the money in the world and doesn't want to give a little charity. He has to give that which the community decide, decided that his portion is. And the community has the right, again, in, in, the, in the right settings, with the right court system, to descend down to his possessions, to go into his bank account. In front of him, take from it what he's supposed to give. Because Jews have to give tzedakah. And you can take people's property for their charity. Even on a Friday. What's the big deal on a Friday? You come to somebody's house and you say, listen, there's a guy who needs money. He says, listen, I'm busy cooking for Shabbos. Don't bother me. Come back Tuesday. So I'm busy for Shabbos is not an excuse when there's a charitable need, and this person has the ability to give charity. One of the most beautiful stories there are, that uh, one of my childhood stories I grew up hearing, just to lighten the mood a little bit, is there was a fellow who, his profession was, he was a professional snorer. He was a professional beggar. He went from city to city and from street to street and from door to door and he knocked on doors and he collected money and he did very well. 
One day, he meets the woman, the dream of his life. And he proposes to her. He wants to marry her. And she says, you know, I'll tell you, I'll marry you, but what should I say? I'm married to a schnorrer. You have to promise me that you're going to wean your schnorrering. You're going to get an honest job. He says, you know what? I love you so much. Deal. And he makes a commitment. He says, exactly one year from now, it's over. I'm going to get a real job. Anyway, they get married. They live a wonderful life. And they travel house to house and town to town. And they're the schnorring couple. The end of the year... Just as the sun is about to set, he says to her, My dear, I'm a man of my word. A word is a word. We're finished. She says, Let's just finish this block, huh? (laughs) Okay. So that was just to lighten the mood, but there's a lot of real problems out there. Yud Aleph, Adam, Shaya. What's a person who is a shaya? He's like a pushover. He gives more charity than he should. He'll give you the shirt off his back. That's a problem because then he doesn't have enough for his family and he becomes a charity. He makes himself so uncomfortable and he gives the charity collectors everything he has. In order that he will not be embarrassed, can't take the pressure. Then those people who collect charity, especially the charity collectors, the communal collectors should know that they may not solicit him. Because he's not capable of being solicited properly. There are stories in the Talmud where they would see these tremendously generous people who would give everything away and the charity collectors would cross the street not to encounter them. And when the communal collector embarrasses the guy, and he asks him, when he knows he can't handle it, then God will judge him. It says, I will visit my own punishment, says Hashem, on those that pressure people who can't handle the pressure. And, and if, if you've noticed, one of the things that we try and do here is we're trying to protect the people who come pray here from sometimes from the too aggressive collectors who push too hard. It's not, not only is it not a mitzvah to push too hard, it's forbidden to push too hard. Because then you make people uncomfortable and they can't function. So that's this interesting halacha. Yud Beis, 12. What about orphans? You know, orphan is a very sad situation. Maybe not know from it, but there are some very wealthy orphans. In Peskin, Tzedakah, you say, the courts, the community, should not set charity upon orphans, minor children without fathers, even to redeem captives, because they're orphans. Even though they have a lot of money. But still, there's nobody to protect them. And what if the courts, court ordered this charity, in order to establish a reputation 
for their family name, that they are philanthropists, it will in, in, enlarge their business endeavors or whatever. Of course, they have court-appointed business managers. Mutter then, if the court did it for their sake, then it's permissible. What if there is a situation where the communal charity collector knocks on a door and only the wife is home, the husband is not home, can he take from the wife? Or somebody's servant is home, somebody's employee is home, or children are home, so can that person pester the wife, pester the employee, Pester the children, give me charity. So he says, yes, a little bit. A small amount. But certainly not a large amount. Because you can safely assume that if these people gave this large amount, it may belong to someone else. It may have been found or stolen. These are not people that should responsibly give on their own these large amounts. The comma who what is a small amount? It depends upon the particular setting. Obviously, every setting is different. In, in certain settings, it is appropriate, but it has to be set. Basically, the halacha here in twelve is trying to avoid inappropriate solicitation. If it's not inappropriate, that's fine. Yud what if the poor man is his relative? There's the famous story on the lighter side of this man who knocks on the door of a very wealthy man and he says, I need help. So the guy says, I can't help you. He says, what do you mean you can't help me? He says, listen, I have a brother and a sister who are poverty stricken. I can't help you. He says, no, I understand. Many months later, he meets the guy's brother and sister. And they're pathetic. And he says, I don't understand. I met your brother. He's a millionaire. She says, yeah. And, and, and he doesn't give us a dime. Wow. Next time he has occasion, he goes back and he says, you know, I was here to see you. You said you have a brother and a sister who are poor. That's why you can't give me. I met them and they say you don't give them a dime. He says, no, that's what I meant. If I don't give them, I should give you. And that's what the Rambam is saying. If a poor man is his relative, then it's not that he may not utilize his money to support his relative. The relative takes priority. Because if you don't give them, who are you going to give? The poor of his house take precedence over the poor of the rest of the city. The poor of his own city take precedence over the poor of other cities. And this is a big issue in Jewish communities. We are obligated to support our own community first before we support all the visiting collectors that come from other communities. As it says, to your brother, so brother comes first, your own poor, your own poverty-stricken, in your land. And he brings down here in the notes from Halacha, that the exception to that is the poor of Israel, which takes a prominent place, but even your own community takes, takes prominence over the poor of Israel because your own community is your priority. And therefore, this segues into 14, Misha If somebody took a business trip, again, into an organized Jewish community, 
He's a big businessman. He made a lot of money. And the community there said, you have to give so much, so much charity to our community because you made a lot of money here. So he should give charity to the poor of that city. Now his concern is, what about the poor of my city? I'm the rich guy in my city. He says, because the answer is, he's only one guy. So, all right. But if there were many wealthy people who made money in other communities and they gave all their money away in those communities where they made the money, and they come back with nothing. So the first thing is, when they're solicited for charity, they should set aside money for charity. And when they leave, they bring some of that money or all of that money back. And they support the poor of their own community as well. If there's a scholar there, let him give it to the scholar. And he'll divide it between their community and his community as he sees fit. But what's important is that he does have an obligation to support the community in which he made the money. He also has an obligation to support the community in which he lives. The closing paragraph of chapter 7. If somebody makes a verbal pledge and he says, Give 200 dinar, a lot of money, to the synagogue. Or give a Torah to the synagogue. Now the question is, which synagogue? All the synagogues are lining up. The answer is his synagogue, the one he regularly attends. What if he regularly alternated between two? He should give to both. What if he says to his accountant, give 200 dinars, a lot of money to the poor, and the poor are coming from all over the world. He gives to the poor of his city. End of chapter 7.